Welcome to the Just Ask Mom podcast, where mothers share their experiences of raising children with mental illness. Just Ask Mom is a Mothers on the Frontline production. Today we will listen to Suzette Southfox, a Southern California parent who lives with her 19-year-old son who has depression, anxiety, and autism spectrum disorder. She has been on the children's mental health journey for over 10 years now. This interview took place at the 2017 National Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health Conference. So just tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. My name is Suzette. Um, I am a tired mom. I work in the behavioral health field in Southern California. Um, I'm an artist and I'm a writer and a performer. I love to communicate and chat with folks and and create art when I can. Don't get a lot of chance to do that these days. Right. But that's that's really what what brings me joy. Oh, that's really great. That's awesome. So what kind of art do you do? Well, I do a lot of reflective art. I do a lot of um, uh, spoken word poetry. Oh, wonderful. So I do spoken yeah. word, but I don't, I don't have a whole lot of time to do that. I recently did something for a friend of mine who was just ordained uh, as a Unitarian Universalist minister, and I was, uh, I was honored to be part of the ordination, right. and I got to do that. So oh, that's, that's exciting. Yeah. That's, that does sound fun. So I want you to pretend that you're talking to parents who are just beginning the journey, they've just received a diagnosis for their child of a mental health condition, or maybe they even haven't discovered a name for what's going on yet, they're just trying to figure out how to help their child. What would you say to people in that experience based on what you've lived through? That's a wonderful question, and out of all the people that I would like to talk to, and there's many, many yes. that I would like to, to speak with, the, the family that's really finding themselves newly in the world of childhood mental health and behavioral health issues, I would love to talk to them and I would love to tell them that they're not alone, even though they feel like they're alone. They're in a very special club, which is one that not a lot of people want to join, (laughs) but they find themselves in. Um, One of the things that I did not get early on, and my son was diagnosed around around 10, 9 or 10 years old, with rule-out pediatric um, bipolar disorder. And uh, things were very difficult, and it wasn't until he was 16, and the psychiatrist said, was he ever tested for autism? We said, Uh, are you kidding me? So people weren't asking the right questions. But once we, we found ourselves in the world of IEPs and special ed programs and all of this, we never met another parent. None of the programs ever had, here's information for your parent. Or, the, you know, you would think the psychiatrist or the psychologist would say, here's your brochure. Welcome to the world of pediatric mental illness. Right, here's right. your roadmap. They don't give you one. Absolutely not. No, they yeah. don't. And if you're lucky enough to have someone with lived experience, you may get a roadmap. But it's so challenging. So finding those other parents and finding what is available is so difficult when you're dealing with just the stress and the crisis. I was shocked to learn in my area that there was a whole guide for all of the programs and services, but it was for other providers. It wasn't for families. And it took me to get into working in the field to actually discover this. And, and is that what motivated you to get into the field? Well, that was one, one reason. I worked with the faith community for a really long time. And um, what I discovered 
was the needs and the stress of navigating my son's challenges. They were taking a toll on my working life. Right. So before we got a diagnosis, uh, either I would call in sick, my wife would call in sick, we would be having to leave work. We knew that one of us were probably going to lose our jobs, so right. she took an early retirement right. to stay at home because at that time, um, my son couldn't get out of the car in the morning. He missed 125 days of school right. because of anxiety. Right. So as we're going through all of this, we had support of the school, but we just didn't know other families. Right. So, so I think it's so important to, to not only tell folks that they're not alone, but there are networks yes. that just have to be told where to find them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's the biggest challenge, I think. I think that's so important because I know my own experience and talking to other people, sometimes the most helpful information I've got are from other parents, mm -hmm. you know, that have been through it and they all, you know, check out this program or this. And without that network, without mm -hmm. some way to start, mm -hmm. you do feel lost. So mm -hmm. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, that's there's really a lot good. of despair also. At least yes. there, there, there is and yes. there has been with me. And one of the things that I have learned is there's a whole, there's a whole continuum of what you go through. And it's not linear. It's not like, okay, I've gone through crisis and now I'm, I'm balancing and I'm moving into advocacy and when I get into advocacy, boom, I'm done. No, when I, it depends on the day. Absolutely. Really, really. Absolutely. and you can go through that continually. So I think one of the things that I would want new parents and new families to know is the despair and the concern is visceral, it's real. It's probably not gonna go away, but if you learn to kind of make some space for that and make some space for dealing with that, it gets a little bit easier. Right. I think the biggest problem that I have, um, and this is this is really funny, we were talking about self-care earlier, yeah. is when people say, take care of yourself. And I know that, right. but it is so difficult to hear because it's like, what do you think I'm doing? Right. I'm trying really hard. Exactly. And sometimes just getting up in the morning is like, whoa, it's a win. Exactly. So that's important. And yeah. I know self-care is really, really the key, but I think that we need to be a little careful how we talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah, it can turn people off. And we're not all, we don't all have access to do the same things to care for ourselves. So... I think that's another part of it, is what does that mean in the, the context you're in at the moment? What can that mean for you, right? And I think that's really important. True. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, as you're thinking about, you know, people who are navigating this early on, and it is hard and it is lonely, and I, I like the message you have. I, I do think we can get to a point where we feel like it's a new normal, we've accepted it, we're functioning, we're mm -hmm. we don't feel torn apart all the time, mm -hmm. but then something new will happen and right. you go through it again. And I think it's good to know that. Mm -hmm. It's good to know you will actually function at this level. You might not feel like it when you're first hit with it, mm -hmm. and but, but I don't think you're ever done. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's important to hear too. That's not a bad thing, yeah. but knowing it's important because if you don't, the first time it happens again, it feels devastating. Yeah. 
But if you don't know, you're going to keep going and having good days and bad days, and right. it's okay. Right, it's a learning. <laughs> and then when, when our loved ones are youngsters, mm-hmm. you have the whole developmental issue going yes. on, so they're constantly changing. One of the first kind of desperate um, requests that I made once we had a psychiatrist and medication and treatment plan and psychiatric nurse, God love her, um, I remember the first call that I made to her was, I, I don't know, I have one child. Right. I, I was an older mom, so I have one child. I don't have experience. I can't tell the difference. What's developmentally appropriate right. and what is a mental health condition? And she said, oh, if you could figure that out, you'd make a lot of money. <laughs> because I couldn't. I just right. couldn't figure that out. So right. now knowing that there's always that change, there's always new things happening suddenly, and it's not suddenly, but now I have a young adult. And so we hear about transition, transition right. in youth, how do you right. do that? So I have a 19-year-old, but I'm not prepared for what to do next right. because just getting through middle school, getting through high school took everything that I could do. Right. And I know they said it's coming. You have to start when he's 14. I didn't get that till he was 17. And um, so it's hard. It still gets hard. But being able to back up a little bit and figure out what are the new resources that I need. I have to find maybe a new set of parents where the parents of really young kids, Mm -hmm. we had an affinity. Right. And I would look at parents of teenagers. I was scared of them. Oh, sometimes it's terrifying, right? When your kids are little, you just want to focus on that one thing at a time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at parents of teenagers and young adults, and it's like, oh, my God, how do you do that? I don't want to go. Ever, right, and you're trying right, to get there, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's it. Absolutely. So, as you're thinking about what's the, your journey in helping your child, what can you think of one particular thing that's been really challenging, was really difficult, that just didn't work, and you wish could be different? I think so. This is going to sound really weird, but listening to him, mm-hmm. and what I, what I mean by that is sometimes, and this has been forever. He will tell me what he needs, but I'm not hearing it, you know, and I'm not hearing it because, oh, I don't know. I'm focused on one thing or another. And when I stop and really listen to what he's saying, we do better. Right. And when he listens to what I'm saying, so it's that communication. Piece. Absolutely. And it's, and, and here's the hardest part. I'm not very good at it. You know, I communicate professionally, but with my own family, it's like, wow, I really have to take it down to basics and give myself permission to make mistakes. That's That's a good point. That's Mm -hmm. a good point. And I think that's true for any parent, Uh right? I mean, and and communicating, especially with the teenage kid, you know, we, it's hard. It's challenging, I think, for all of us. Yeah. And you have to learn how to reset boundaries and have conversations and, and, when and if they get a driver's license, it's a whole different world. So it's uh, it's really exhausting. Yes. <laughs> it's really exhausting. My stress up was just went up when you said that because yeah. that's within the next couple of years for us, oh. the whole driver's license thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has been an amazing, an amazing journey. Mm-hmm. And then just watching the young people that I know develop and, and grow, it's just it's so exciting. So in Thinking about getting your child help, what's worked well? What has been one thing that you're just so glad things were aligned and worked out well? Mm. Well, we had an experience, um, and it was a school-related experience. Uh, as a senior, a high school senior, his depression was so acute, he spent the last two or three months in bed. 
and was not able to even shower or do right. much of anything. And he failed. He wasn't able to graduate. And having that conversation with the school around that, um, I was empowered. So the vice principal, one of the vice principals, basically said, "You know, you're lazy." And I, 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 I just took a breath and I said, "We need to talk because." There's something called lived experience, and I had never used that word before, but right, I had heard right. it, and all of a sudden, oh my God, I have lived experience, I have a thing too. So yes. I'm coming and I have something. Right. And I was able to really put the context, we're talking about uh, behavioral health diagnosis, we're talking about mental illness, brain chemistry, this is not being lazy. No, it's if not. you had any idea what he does to just survive, I don't know that any of us could do that. So it's right, not lazy. Right. Um, and that was very, very helpful to be really clear in my own mind that um, we we all need to be on the same page. So that was that was good. super helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and so good for your son to hear that. Yeah. No, no, you're not lazy and I know you're not lazy. I think is important. Mm -hmm. That's great. We ask this of everyone because we recognize, as we were just saying, as you pointed out, this differs from moment to moment for all of us, but at this moment, are you swimming? Are you treading water? Are you drowning? Where do you feel at this moment? That's a really good question. Um, all three of those. Yeah. <laughs> That's a yeah. good answer. All three, all three at the same time, and it's so hard to manage that. Yeah. But, but really, I have kind of like... A low grade, it's not a panic, but it's kind of a low grade, like, help, because it's all really hard. Right. Um, and I feel like I have good resources and good support, so I'm, I'm kind of going along, okay? I guess I've been doing this for so long that my new normal mm -hmm. is not what anybody else's normal is. Exactly. And I think that's what's really important, is you... You get to a point where this I can function at this level, mm -hmm. even though the average person mm -hmm. would be falling apart, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe we fell apart when that was first our experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love what you said about your, your child, because I think we often see someone who's struggling to get out of bed or who's struggling to go to school, and people will say things like they're lazy or say, oh, well, someone is anxious, so they're just scared all the time or what have you. And the truth is, with their condition, they are like superpowers mm -hmm. to do yeah, what they yeah, yeah. do every day. Like mm -hmm. they're more courage than most people just yeah. to do what they're doing mm -hmm. or more strength, mm -hmm. you know, um, going and fortitude to go get something done. And I think we just need to give people credit, yeah. you know, for what they're doing and, and honor that for them. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said yeah. that earlier. And, and I think it's a struggle that we um, constantly revisit. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if anybody else has had this come out of their mouth, but I've done it on a number of occasions. What's wrong with you? I don't mean to say it. Oh, my God. And, yeah. and I said it once, and he turned and he says, do you really need to know? Would it be easier if I was in a wheelchair? And I thought, yes. oh, my God. Yes. I've even said this to other people, and I myself am saying this now. Right. So it's constantly guarding and learning and checking and remembering. I think that's a really good point because a lot of times, I mean, mm -hmm. most of the people we're interviewing here, they have a child with a lifelong condition, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if you have a child in a wheelchair with a lifelong condition, we don't say, well, why is it you didn't get up today mm -hmm. after 10 years of being in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. right? But we do that. Yeah. 
we do it all the time and I know I've done it and I and actually I when my child's teachers or fa family members that say well why is he doing this now and I'm like but you know mm -hmm. this has been a condition all this time yeah. and really I think when we're asking that what we have to sit back and go what is it about this moment that I can't handle because mm -hmm. this is our this is our normal this yeah. is our situation yeah. and you know I imagine if you do have a child in a wheelchair for 10 years there might be some day you can't take it mm -hmm. and then but you would recognize well my child's circumstance hasn't changed I just having a hard time handling it today right. we need to be able to do that with mental health mm -hmm. and say my child is the same condition, but today it's really hard for me to deal with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I love the comparison you yeah. make there. Absolutely. I think it's important. It is, yeah. it is yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And then to give our kids the language to, yes. to know that. And yeah. when he checked me on that, as, as he often does with words that have come out of my mouth, he <laughs> responds and like, and, yeah. and I'm learning constantly from him. Um, especially when it's difficult, he has a... Um, sleeping disorder and yes. he goes nocturnal and he also has separation anxiety so when I'm away from him as I am now it right. gets very tense right and he called me at seven o'clock this morning which was four and still is I just checked in 15 minutes before we started he hasn't slept yet so I'm very concerned about that and yeah. what the household is like and right. what the stress is like but you know it's just a day it's just a day. it's just a day yeah Absolutely. So, what is your self-care routine, or as we say, a more appropriate survival technique? Because sometimes that's what it comes down to, too, right? Um, how do you take care of you when you're in the middle of all this? Because as we were saying, it's not always possible to do what we'd like to do. So you know what do you do? What? My go-to place is the bathroom. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's not real safe if there's pounding or screaming on the other side of the door. But if I can get to a place where I can just be isolated, and mm -hmm. I usually turn the lights off, and I just breathe, just right. for a minute, right. just for a minute, and right. then go back out. And I can do that at work, I can right. do that at church, I can do that at Vaughn's, so you can do it anywhere. Yeah. Um, and and so that's one thing, if it's, if it's a crisis and I just need to step back. I swim, and when I'm lucky, I swim in the ocean. I do that regularly, oh, and I swim with my mom. And <laughs> she's a butch swimmer, she's been swimming for years. So when I have a chance, I, I get in the water, and it's, uh, it's really wonderful. That is wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Okay, so another question we'd like to ask, because any parent has some of these, right? Kids keep us laughing. What's your most laughable moment? What makes you laugh or smile when you think back to your experience with your child? Oh, my gosh. Um, my son is a professional magician, and when I watch him engage with other people I mean it it's 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 amazing when you see like grown adults going what happened how did that happen oh my god and it just makes me chuckle yeah. because he has such a gift to be able to do that and he does it because he loves to bring joy to people that's right wonderful. so he's a champion he's a knight in shining armor and he loves to bring joy to people and that makes me smile that has to be fun. Yeah. You get to enjoy the magic, but you also get to be proud of this amazing yeah. kid. Yeah. Or adult now, but yeah. always a kid, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with You're us. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. You have been listening to Just Ask Mom, copyrighted in 2018 by Mothers on the Frontline. Today's podcast host is Tammy Knighton. 
The music is Old English, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts in this and other series relating to children's mental health, go to mothersonthefrontline.com or subscribe to Mothers on the Frontline on iTunes, Android, Google Play, or Stitcher.